Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Risk and Regulation Rundown podcast. I'm Andrew Strange, your regular host, and in today's episode we're talking about the evolving regulatory approach to artificial intelligence. Joining me for today's discussion are Fabricius, a Director of AI here at PwC, and Belinda Baber, a manager in my regulatory insights team. Now, Belinda's actually joining us remotely, so apologies if the sound quality isn't perfect, but I'm sure her contributions will more than make up for it, so no pressure, Belinda. Now, AI's been on the regulators' radars for a good few years now, in the UK and globally, but we still don't really have a regulatory framework for the use of AI. So firms have been so far operating kind of under a lack of clarity as they develop AI models and use cases. But some greater clarity is now emerging. The Artificial Intelligence Public-Private Forum, which was convened by the Bank of England, the FCA, made up of industry and other stakeholders, published its final report in February. This gives the industry something it's been waiting for for some time. And while it's not regulatory guidance, it does give us a real clear sense of regulatory direction. So, before we get into the detail of what the report covers and what it means for firms, Fabrice, why don't you just start by telling us what you're seeing in the market at the moment in terms of how firms in financial services are actually using AI? Hi, Andrew. Nice to be here today. Um, we actually see a lot of activity around, uh, around AI. And in a broad sense, AI is the use of advanced statistical and modeling techniques with large computational and data needs. So we see the use of AI in a range of use cases in front office, back office, middle office. For example, the use of natural language processing techniques to process a lot of text and read through contracts to check the compliance of contracts. For instance, the use of computer vision to check the conformity of signature or deal with uh, reconciliation of invoices. We see investment banks using machine learning at scale to check the quality of the data they report every day to regulators. We see the use of AI in the front office as well for hedge fund manager to get new uh, insight from a lot of open data and analyst reports to inform their investment or their trades. We see AI as well being used for <clears throat> to know your customer better, identify fraud, or in the world of insurance to expedite claims as well. So there is a range of application across the board. Feels like it's pretty much every firm across FS in that it, case it, must be using it in some way. Yeah, it, it's a lot. And the Bank of England was um, showing us in a survey before the pandemic that 60% of the bank were having one AI use case at least in production use at scale. And our own research was showing during COVID the acceleration of the investment and the acceleration of the AI footprint. So Yes, this is pretty much, you know, really here to stay and to scale up. Great, thank you. I mean, so given that industry context, Belinda, let's turn to you. Where are the UK regulators at in terms of developing their, their approach? And were there some sort of key regulatory messages that came out of the AIPPF report? That's a terrible acronym as well. They really need to work on that. Yeah, it's a real tongue twister. Um, hi, Andrew Fabrice. Um, so the AI PPF was formed back in October 2020 and made up of regulators, technology specialists and experts from the financial sector. Um, the aim was to share information, deepen their collective understanding of the technology and explore how the regulator can support the safe adoption of AI in financial services. Given the very nature of an AI system, its very purpose is to process large volumes of unstructured and alternative data sets, as Fabrice was mentioning. This poses unique risk and presents new challenges to banks. 
their customers and the financial system as a whole. So it's really important to have that multifaceted forum. Um, the final report was a result of multiple workshops and discussions, which released back in February, as uh, Andrew mentioned earlier. This is something industry has been waiting for for some time. While it's not regulatory guidance, it does give a much clearer sense of regulatory direction. So the regulators have taken a constructive approach. They have been very collaborative and it's clear they're keen to keep the industry involved with the journey and do not want to hamper innovation. We have been speaking to the Bank of England and the, uh, the FinTech Hub about this, um, and they're very keen, keen to move the agenda forward um, with the expectation of publishing a discussion paper in early summer where they hope to continue their collaborative e efforts beyond industry experts. Um, there's been a lot of discussion over the years, but we're now reaching a bit of a tipping point with the regulators um, getting more specific. Um, the report explores some of the challenges, risks and opportunities associated with the development of AI and makes a number of recommendations to firms and the regulators. Um, the key findings of the groups and next steps on the regulatory agenda on AI uh, focuses on um, some themes that won't come as a surprise to those of you working in AI or actually as in the financial sector as a whole. Um, so firstly, they're thinking about data, um, how any AI model starts and moving on to model risk and then overlaying that with a fit for purpose governance framework. The report also comments on bias, fairness, ethics and transparency. So very much in line with global trends of regulators that we're seeing. So although the report is not official guidance, it's a big step forward um, and it's material for firms to utilise in their reviews of their AI systems. I can certainly see from a, an innovation and competitiveness perspective why the UK regulator would really want to be engaged in this. I get that. But I mean, clearly we don't operate in a bubble. So what's the sort of regulatory approach we're seeing outside the UK? What's happening in other jurisdictions? Fabrice, have you got any views? Yeah, and absolutely. This is a network and all regulators have been very, very busy over the last few years on this agenda. I will perhaps mention uh, Singapore and MAS, the Monetary Authority in Singapore, um, they have not only, you know, been very active in the world of AI, but they have created a real consortium between the regulator, bank, the fintech ecosystem and the wider technology uh, space as well to not only think about guidance, but also think about very, very practical uh, ways of working. So case studies around how you should govern uh, AI in the context of credit risk, in the context of marketing, uh, how you can favor the development of new tools to uh, identify buyers or uh, really um, cover the, the challenges Belinda mentioned around uh, transparency and explainability. So they are going in a very, very practical manner on bringing solutions to bear across the industry. We see a lot of activity in Hong Kong, in Japan as well, a big um, RFI going on, so request for information across all financial services regulator in the US. So this is a very, very active field. And this is a network as well, you know, regulator uh, talk and exchange uh, between each other and standard setters as well, like the IOSCO, start to bring some consistency of messages uh, across across the board. Yes, and I think also we're seeing an interesting step in a different direction within the EU and Chinese approach. So from the EU, it's interesting as it seems to be a more rules-based approach reflecting the need to drive harmonisation across the member states. 
um, on a cross-sectorial basis. In April 2021, the European Commission published an AI regulation which mandates a risk-based approach and will bring a much greater focus on AI processes itself. So thinking about ex ante certification for high-risk use cases. And where we are also seeing a common prescriptive approach is in China, with the issuance of the draft AI regulation by the People's Bank of China. Um, the AI regulation there aligns China with the EU in its rules-based approach, and it makes an interesting landscape to watch closely for the divergence from the global trend. So the Chinese regulator has also issued specific eth ethical standards focusing around improving human well-being, promoting fairness and justice, protecting privacy and security, ensuring controllability and credibility, strengthening responsibility and improving ethical literacy. So the practical developments of both of these jurisdictions propose legislation needs to be watched closely. Um, the regulatory divergence is something that global firms need to have on their radar with a strong horizon scanning capabilities to keep on top of the evolving environment. So it sounds like that regulatory approach is evolving and actually I'm kind of drawn back to um, well, I'm going to say crises, but I'm not saying that AI is a crisis. But but if you think back to 2008, 2009, 2010 with the financial crisis, and we saw huge amounts of action by standard setters like IOSCO, as you say, and then sort of filtering down through different jurisdictional regulators. Uh, and I think we all know just how much of an impact that had on, on regulation in financial services over the last decade. So it feels like we're sort of at a similar point, to it, but in the AI cycle here. I mean, Obviously, there's some degree of consistency across regulators, which is great. Clearly, there's going to be some divergence too. And there's always a risk, I suppose, that certain regulators view this as a, a competitive advantage and it becomes a bit of a race to the bottom. So uh, I suppose it's a very fluid situation. I mean, in, in terms of how firms can deal with that, so you know, quick, easy question, how do firms deal with a, a fluid situation? We've got the AI PF, PPF report. So what actually should firms be thinking about doing now? And uh, Belinda, I'll chuck that easy question to you. So the AI PPF report provides really good structure around data management, model risk management and overall AI governance with uh, setting out use cases um, that can aid firms in their thinking. I think it's a really good starting point. So it might not be as daunting as you think. Um, if you have formed a multidisciplinary team to look at all the aspects of AI across the life cycle, um, from a very technical aspects to the broader ethical considerations, um, as well as, ha as having an AI council in place, then you're probably in a really good place. Um, but some of the examples of, of best practice that the report has set out is um, considering making a clear definition of AI, um, easier said than done, but um, an inventory of AI models and tools across your organization. So you have a really clear view there. Um, and that's also including third party AI models. Um, so then also understanding the key risks arising from the use of AI in your organization, how to identify that and mitigate them, um, devise a clear responsible AI policy consistent with the regulatory development guidelines available, um, define owners and how ownership rolls up to a senior level, um, and then also thinking about three lines of defense when it comes to the review and implementation of AI use cases. Um, and the really key one I think is to get this right is the ability to stay agile as regulators become more specific and your firms may increase its use of AI 
that's that's a way where firms will be able to respond effectively to to this challenge thank you belinda yeah so not as daunting as i thought okay it sounds really easy i mean it's almost on a par with kind of operational resilience or financial resilience something like ai resilience in terms of, of how you you monitor it identify i mean the list of, of ai activities that fabri started with implies it's probably quite a long list of stuff that firms have got to, to get their head around but uh, no that's really interesting i mean so so not daunting belinda says so fabrice what are some of the biggest challenges for firms then uh, and the areas where they've got questions for regulators and are still struggling with some of that uncertainty around regulatory expectations yeah not daunting but still uh, still some gray area and still a, a degree of uh, of challenge I think the, the the first question is really what is AI and have a clear definition of AI across your organization and have clarity on how you capture AI, how you have the full and complete view of what your AI activities are and the level of risk that are um, involved. Um, we see a few questions around the, the governance model. And, and to some degree, it's... Um, it's a little bit challenging where regulators don't give you a recipe, but give you high level principle up to the firm to set the right governance structure in order to act within the right restaurants level in a way and respect the law and regulation in force. So there is some degree of discussion around how the AI governance linked to the senior manager regime and who should be owning AI across an organization and the degree of ownership there. It's not actually an SMF prescribed responsibility no, no, yet. Not, yet, yet. <laughs> yeah, but okay. probably some clarity going forward and engaging with um, the, the Bank of England and other regulator the next discussion paper will probably um, cover this type of um, subject in a little bit more uh, details um, also when you deal with third party so you could procure an ai you know system from a third party you could have some services provided by a third party which are ai backed but you won't have access to the model you want to know about you know it's very black box and what's the degree of ownership between the user of the um, ai techniques and the producer the owner of the ai techniques and making sure there is a clear uh, perhaps a clearer view on the roles and responsibilities and the ownership is probably an area where banks want a little bit more a uh, little bit more clarity and the third one will be around you know we talk a lot about explainability we talk about a lot about bias management how much explainability should you convey what's the right degree of explainability for certain use cases and have a little bit more you know practical clarity sometimes from regulator of what the minimum acceptable in a way uh, could 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 lead to you know a, a more um, an easier uptake um, throughout the throughout the banking industry to sort of add to that, um, so firms need to really start thinking about how they will set up their responsible AI council if it's not already in place. Um, that gets uh, the right people around the table so properly understands the use cases as well as getting the right accountability for the SMR roles as, as that becomes more clear across the industry. With the SMR role, we, they've got to start thinking about the approach, um, whether it could be multiple figureheads um, or one person, often in a global uh, banking global banking environment, that, that multiple figurehead might be more appropriate because it's very hard to get the right skill set covering all those areas. Um, 
But if you already have that AI council, you're in a good place. Um, you may just need to flesh out your overall model. The UK um, emerging regime is very outcomes focused, so it's good for innovation, uh, but firms need to become comfortable with their risk appetite. Yeah, and I think I think we're hearing that across a whole range of regulatory issues at the moment, that, that, that outcomes piece is, is great from a, a competitiveness or an innovation perspective, but actually it's really hard to deal with because our firm's building in stuff that's you know, in five years time they're going to go back and say oops this wasn't right the outcomes weren't right but we've got five years worth of legacy issues to deal with so uh, yeah really really um, interesting so i mean we touched on it briefly but there must be some uh, some questions here around the governance and the accountability of that third party risk piece what do firms need to think about there yeah i think that's very important that you link the use of ai with your current framework in terms of procurement of third party and you know roles and responsibility and risk with with third parties i think you need to really think about the due diligence you need to perform before selecting a third party really working alongside your third party on the career regulator, understand you know the bias that may be uh, introduced by the use of AI, understand the explainability techniques that the third party can provide you when you will be using new AI, understand how you will monitor the use of the third party AI in production, so know how the you know the your AI will behave uh, in terms of performance, in terms of new bias as well, and you need from the get go really get all of these criteria really bottomed out and measured and agrees, agreed with your third party. It's difficult because third party may not want to share their IP, their uh, secret recipe, the data they use to train their AI, but there is a real and diligent process to, to follow. And we see, we see financial services firm really um, increasing the knowledge of AI within their procurement team and very importantly involving their uh, specialists, their data scientists, their engineers throughout the due diligence process so to make sure that when you have selected your third party and when you are ready to when you are ready to go you have covered all the main area for your uh, governance going forward i like the idea of a special recipe that's um yeah slightly worrying I, th I think about the asset management space where i have some experience with my clients and you think about things like the product rules where firms who manufacture product need to gather data on where it ends up in terms of the market so there are rules there telling people they need to do it and there's no special recipe and um, a number of firms still seem to struggle with this concept so um adding in a bit more baking i, I don't know where they'll get to it's interesting i mean uh, it's nice to finish on something slightly more positive. So we've talked a lot about the challenges, um, daunting though they're not. Um, so I'm presuming that AI can actually bring some benefits to firms and to customers too. So, so what sort of benefits can firms expect to experience from AI? And how do we see the use of AI evolving in FS in the future? There's a, a, an open-ended question for you, Fabrice. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. So we see already a lot of benefits actually, and AI being used to improve processes, to be more efficient. I was mentioning natural language processing i was mentioning financial crime for instance so there is a lot going on that uh, bring more efficiency in in the process uh, and make uh, experience really slicker um, going forward you mentioned uh, you know consumer and it's very important i mean with the use of ai you can think about a much better experience so for example um, ai can be used in contact center when you call and you have a complaint uh, we can record these calls and identify early warnings where you know you really experience something that 
you know, is wrong, needs intervention straight away. And you can really, really help triage and expedite, you know, the, the request from or the complaints from a consumer on a very, you know, um, dynamic and uh, programmatic way. So you deal with the complaint here and now and not, not wait, you know, days or weeks to, to, to address them. Um, in, in insurance, actually, computer vision can really help expedite claims straight away. So the experience is much more slicker and the resolution is much more quicker for uh, for customer and you will uh, reduce fraud as well. AI can help introduce um, new new product for impaired life. For, for instance, the world of insurance can really tailor new product to uh, people who wouldn't otherwise have access to some type of, uh, of insurance. So it's a real uh, value uh, proposition for, uh, for, for for the market and in the world of vulnerable customers, it's, it's very important where you can really tailor new product to vulnerable customer or uh, new new customer. So there is a wealth of you know new product, new activity, better experience that can be introduced with with the use of AI. And Belinda, what do you think? I mean, it sounds like the AI there is uh, partially a solution to some of the existing regulatory challenges, interestingly. But uh, I mean, do you have any further views? Yeah, I, I agree, Andrew. I think it's a really exciting space and um, I'm really keen to see it evolve for the vulnerable customer area, particularly and providing that access to to financial services that people often need. Um, I think with AI models and their ability to automate certain tasks, it can just bring great benefits for households, firms and the economy as a whole. Um, so for example, consumers can potentially access lower cost and more tailored financial products and services as a result. Um, so this innovation can change the trade um, can change the trade-off of risks and returns. So I think it's something firms need to get the right balance for. Um, and to just touch on what you were saying before, I think we're not necessarily always going to get it right first time, but I think it's about that best efforts basis and and, and ensuring you've got that evolving um, thinking around it. No, I agree. Thank you. That, that's great. Well, thank you both for joining us. I mean, um, there's a lot to reflect on in terms of that discussion. I, I'm taken by both the breadth of existing use of AI in firms already across all FS firms, uh, and I'm intrigued by the use of it in terms of it as a solution to other regulatory issues. I mean, we didn't touch on consumer duty, but that point around access to product, I think, is equally valid there as well. Um, I, I think as a regulatory landscape, it seems fascinating, and I'm, I'm a regulatory geek, so I'm allowed to say that, but, you know, you've got the UK doing stuff, we've got the EU and China doing stuff, we have MAS doing stuff in Singapore and so on. So it feels like a really interesting, evolving landscape that will, that will develop over the next few years is probably at a pace which will mean that firms are going to have a challenge to keep on top of it but at the same time makes it really interesting and fun for us to be involved in so thank you both for the discussion i'm pretty sure we're going to come back to this in a podcast in the next 12 months or so and it'll maybe be an entirely different world but thank you um, to our listeners i hope you've enjoyed this conversation please do subscribe to future episodes and rate and review the series so your colleagues can find it as well uh, and we'll be back next month probably focused on the fca business plan thank you <laughs>